0: 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're in verses 16, 17, and 18. They're not real long, but they're pretty powerful. I don't know if you read them. I don't know if you guys read in advance. And then next week, we finish up 1 Thessalonians. We're going to finish up the book of 1 Thessalonians, and then we go to 2 Thessalonians, which means two weeks from this weekend, we start 2 Thessalonians, which has how many chapters? Anybody know? Three, it's not really long. And so what that means is you've got homework between now and two weekends from now. You need to read 2 Thessalonians in one sitting, three chapters. It'll take 10, 12, 15 minutes. And if you can do that more than once, I would uh, encourage you to try to read 2 Thessalonians, all three chapters in one sitting. Try to do that more than once in preparation for two weeks from now when we introduce that book, okay? You guys got your marching orders? Do your homework, church. Please, God, do your homework. (laughs) If I have to guilt you into doing it, I got no problem with that either. It's good for us to spend time in the Lord's Word and be prepared for Him when we come here. All right, I'm, I'm really, you know, when we started 1 Thessalonians months ago, I couldn't wait to get to these verses And sometimes there's like this letdown when you study and you kind of go, well, that was okay. It wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be. This was as exciting and more. I love these three verses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let me turn there. We use the New American Standard Bible, if you don't know that. The New American Standard Bible, the NASB, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. So, Let's talk about mottos. I don't know if you guys have a motto or if you know of any mottos. A motto, M-O-T-T-O, is a short expression of a guiding principle. Okay, you probably knew that already. For example, see if you guys know this one. We're supposed to hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. That's a motto. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Here's some more. This is from uh, Horace, who was around uh, a Roman poet just before the time of Christ. Carpe diem. This is the full quote. Carpe diem, quam minimum credula postero. What that means is seize the day and have little trust in the next one. We just say carpe diem, seize the day. But it's really seize the day and have little trust in the next one. That's a motto. It's a good motto. Here's a Chinese proverb. It is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. That's a good one. This is from Gandhi. He says, we must become the change we wish to see in the world. Many of us have probably heard that motto. Aristotle says this. He says, we are what we repeatedly do. It'd be interesting to know who you are based on what you repeatedly do. Mm. Winston Churchill, he don't mess around, old Winston. If you're going through hell, keep going. There's a lot of truth to that reality, right? William Shakespeare says this. He says, love all, trust a few, do wrong to none. I like that. Will Rogers says this. He says, when you are dissatisfied and would like to go back to your youth, think of algebra. (laughs) I think that's pretty clever, man. I loved my youth. You know why? Because I loved algebra. I loved math. I got no problem going back. Mrs. Toms, I have no idea who that is. The face you're born with is the one God gave you. Your face at 50 is the one you gave yourself. Right? Right? And this is unknown. This one's great. If you keep your feet firmly on the ground, you'll have trouble putting on your pants. I thought I'd get more laughter. I have no idea what that means, but it's a motto. Does anyone here, you don't have to share, do you have a life motto? Raise your hand if you have a life motto. Anybody here have one? Really? I just thought somebody would have one. I don't either. If you don't have one, perhaps our text for today will become your motto. Perhaps. And if you do have one and you are just too afraid to raise your hand, perhaps our text for today will replace the motto that you have how cool would it be to know that your life motto come could potentially come straight from scripture from these three awesome verses so that's the text of or the title of today's message what's the motto with you get that i thought that was pretty clever on my part thank you some of you got it some of you got it and don't care what's the motto what's your motto let's read first thessalonians Chapter 5, 16, 17, and 18, and then we're going to pray. Verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks. For those three things to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in everything this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Wow. That's not a lot of words. But that's got a lot of punch. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray, church. Almighty God, we are just so grateful for this time. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way with us as you take us on this journey through your word. May these three verses have the impact that you desire to have in this moment. May we slow down, may we pause to hear from you, Holy Spirit that you would speak to each and every one of us individually and as a church body collectively the things that you desire to speak to us. Give us ears to hear, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Because it doesn't take long, we're going to read those verses again. And we're going to do it a couple more times after this. Let's read verses 16 through 18 again. Rejoice always pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask you what I hope to be a very simple question based on these 3 verses to see if you're paying attention. And if not, you can look in your in your in your Bible. How many things does Paul list here in these 3 verses to do? How many? Annie? You said three, right? That a girl. Annie was brave. She's saying three. Three. Paul lists three things that we're supposed to do. What are those three things? Here's the help for you, right? We're to be joyful, we're to be prayerful, and we're to be thankful. Those are the three things that we're to do in these three verses. We are to be joyful, prayerful, and thankful. Do these three things describe you? I wonder, do all three of these things describe you? Do two of them describe you? Maybe not all three, maybe two. Do any one of them describe you? I wonder, if not these three things, what three things do describe you And your daily living or your daily life approach? What three things, if not these three things, what three things describe you and your daily living or your life approach? I wonder. What would you say? If I said, What are the three things that describe you in your daily living and your life approach? What would those three things be? What would you say? What would others say about you? What would the Lord say about what describes you? Hmm. So I took the liberty, the risk, to ask a couple people yesterday, can you give me three words that describe me? One's my dear friend, Pastor Doug Spriggs, pastors of church out in Towardy. We've been friends for 20 years. And then I also asked my wife. So I text Pastor Doug and I said, can you do me a favor? Um, Can you come up with three words that describe me? His first reply to my text was, do they have to be good things? (laughs) Yeah, that's funny, right? I did laugh very loudly, and he was probably being serious. I'm like, you know, start with the bad stuff and see if anything good comes after that. But he he texted back about an hour later. He said, adventurous, generous, and diligent. I want to highlight diligent because we're going to get to that way later. My wife texted back, devoted. Similar to diligent. I want to highlight that one to get back to that later as well. She said, devoted, funny, and wise. That's my wife. Okay, now moving on from that. We need to be careful that we recognize what these three exhortations really are. There's three things. There's an exhortation in verse 16, there's an exhortation in verse 17, and there's an exhortation in verse 18, right? We saw what those are, right? To be joyful, to be prayerful, and to be thankful. So let's be careful that we understand what these exhortations really are. These attitude exhortations are actually instructions, that sounds nicer, they're commands, that seems a little bit more firm, they are our religious duty. That's what these three things are, my brothers and sisters in Christ. These are commands. They are instructions. They are our duty. We have a duty to perform the ability to be thankful and prayerful and joyful. That's what's going on in these verses. Should not, should not our attitudes be under, these are attitudes, being thankful and joyful and prayerful our attitudes. Should not our attitudes be under the authority of the Almighty God? Yeah. Our attitude should be under the authority of the Almighty God. If our attitudes are not under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, then whose authority are they under? Yours? The devil's? Or God? Hmm. Hmm. Okay, I want to read our text again. Let's read 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As Christian men and women, these three things are God's will for you and for me. So, Let's be clear about the clarity of these verses. (laughs) Let's be clear about the clarity of these verses. These verses, these three attitudes, these three characteristics, these three exhortations are matters of the heart. They're heart issues. The Christian life is a life of the heart. What has captured our hearts? Something, someone, whatever it might be, will capture our hearts. Every one of us, something captures our heart. What has captured your heart? What has captured my heart? What has captured the heart of the person next to you? To whom or to what do our hearts belong? See, the object of these three exhortations, the exhortation in verse 16, the exhortation in verse 17, and the exhortation in verse 18... The object in all three of these exhortations is the Lord God Almighty Himself. When we pray, we pray to Him. When we're thankful, we're thankful to Him. When we rejoice, we rejoice in Him. Our hearts are to belong to God and no one else and nothing else. If you remember the Ten Commandments, what's the first commandment back in Exodus 20? What's the first one? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Nobody gets in the way of your heart towards me. Nothing and no one. He wants our heart. And there shall be no other gods before him. Nothing before our God. But how often? How often is he supposed to be prioritized? All the time, Jane, yes. These three verses say always, without ceasing, and in everything. He wants our heart all the time. And that's why it doesn't just say rejoice, pray, and be thankful. It says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything, which means at all times, give thanks. We are to never stop allowing the Lord to have our hearts. Hmm. The Lord's will for us, God's will for us, God's will for our hearts is constant. It's constant. Always, without ceasing, in everything. We aren't simply to adhere to and pursue these exhortations during different seasons of life or during rough patches, but we're to do it Always. We're to always be joyful, always be thankful. And what am I, what's the one I'm missing? And always be prayerful. Always. Consider the enemy is always looking for opportunities to attack our heart. Always. So we must always be on our game. See, if the devil can weaken our hearts, towards the Lord? If the devil can weaken our heart towards the Lord, what becomes of our heart toward our brothers and sisters in Christ? If he can weaken our heart towards God, what becomes of, becomes of our heart toward our brothers and sisters? What becomes of our heart towards those who aren't part of the church? If he can weaken our heart towards God, then he can certainly weaken our heart towards one another and weaken our heart towards those outside the church. Lord, help us. Check out 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 8. Peter says as much. He says, look, church, be of sober spirit. Be on your game. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's looking. The minute you uncalibrate your heart, the enemy's going to pounce. He's going around looking for someone to devour Not to tease, not to bully, to stink and devour. There are some, um, there are just stories of people who for a moment took their eye off the prize. Let their hearts, um, they ran the risk of of not protecting their hearts and did something stupid. Whether they're in jail or they're now divorced because they committed adultery or whatever that is. We must always be careful, unceasingly to protect our hearts. Mm. Church, let's read our verses again. Verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, so here's what's really cool. Let's address that ageless and endless Christian question. We're going to address that. Here's that question. What's God's will for me and for my life? Everybody wants to know what God's will is for me and for my life. Everybody. Certainly, these three verses help to answer this question. It ends in verse 18, these three exhortations, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That begins to help us answer this question. What's God's will for me in my life? Pray all the time, rejoice all the time, be thankful all the time. This will help us start to understand God's will. This is clear, there's no ambiguity here. Now, whether you should take job A or job B, I don't know where to look in Scripture to know the answer to which job you should take, but I know this is really, really clear. Let's look at some other verses that speak to the same principle. Look at chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians verse 3. Just go to the first half of verse 3 in chapter 4, just the previous chapter. This is also God's will. For this is the will of God, your sanctification so now we know four things we're supposed to be thankful all the time we're supposed to be prayerful all the time we're supposed to rejoice all the time and it's God's will that we become sanctified which means we grow and we mature in Christ until we die that's clear God wants you to grow in him he wants your sanctification to continue now go to your left go to the book of Romans chapter 12 here's also God's will for you Go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts, and then the book of Romans. This also reveals God's will for us. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes to the church at Rome, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, here's here's God's will, to present your bodies A living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable to God. That's your spiritual service of worship. Don't be conformed to this world. So this is your sanctification. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is done through God's word, the power of his Holy Spirit, through our brothers and sisters in Christ, so that you may prove what the will of God is. As you reject the world, and you become transformed by the renewing of your mind, you start to live out the will of God in your life is what it says. Oh, that's just so powerful. So, let's ask ourselves a vital question. Here's the question. How often, meaning how well, do we seek the Lord for those things that are clear, for what's clear compared to what is unclear? I just gave you three verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. And Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. That is clear that we're to be transformed, that we're to be sanctified, that we're to be prayerful, thankful, and joyful. That's clear. Are we pursuing those things? Or are we spending all of our time saying, should I buy this house or that house? Should I take this job or that job? I don't know. How often... Do we seek the Lord for what's clear? How often are we committing to the things that are clear for God's will in our life? When it says this is God's will for you, do we do those things? Hmm. In other words, here's another way of putting it. Are we willing to know and live, Romans 12, 1 Thessalonians 4, and 1 Thessalonians 5, are we willing to know and live those things first, before trying to clarify this direction or that direction for our lives. You see where I'm going with this, right? Are we willing to do the things that are crystal clear before we seek this direction or that direction where those things are less clear? We're going to complicate things. We're going to complicate things. God says, man, do the stuff that's clear first, and all these things will be added unto you. Let's put it another way. (laughs) we can know that we we are in God's will when we are living lives that are joyful, prayerful, and thankful. If we're living lives that are joyful, prayerful, and thankful, then we're living in the will of God. Then the will of God in our lives starts to manifest itself really simply. It would be interesting for us to start here and then see what God does. Start with the things that are clear, those three scripture references. It would be great to start there and then watch what God does as he starts to reveal those other things in our lives. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, how much does our average day reflect our rejoicing, our praying, and our thanking? How much does our average day reflect those three exhortations in verses 16, 17, and 18? On an average day, how thankful, joyful, and prayerful are you? Hmm. Good question for us. Put yet another way. (laughs) Think of it this way. It's not about what we do, but how we do it. It's not about where we are going, but who we are becoming, Right? Not what we do, but how we do it. Not where we're going, but who we are becoming. I remember years ago, 30 years ago, I was in my early 20s, and I'm speaking to a high school group at, at, at a church. And it was like, you know, God's will. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm like, I don't know that God cares what college you go to, man. I don't know if God cares what kind of car you drive. I don't know if God cares what kind of jeans you wear. But I know God cares about your character and how you conduct your life, regardless of which school you go to, which pants you wear, or which car you drive. That, I think, is what's really clear in Scripture. I'm sure God cares, but you get get the point, right? Hmm. As we follow, as we follow, He'll lead us. As we submit, He'll guide us. As we trust Him, He'll provide all these things for us. And we'll see... His will manifested in our lives. Okay? All right. Now, we're going to read our verses again. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians. If you haven't turned back there, go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you, In Christ Jesus. All right, so let's review. (laughs) What's being emphasized in these three verses? What are they again? To be what three things? Joyful, prayerful, and thankful. Okay, you guys are doing great. Three for three. Joyful, prayerful, and thankful. You would argue that that's the emphasis of these three verses. Is that correct? Maybe not. Perhaps the emphasis in these verses isn't just to be thankful, joyful, and prayerful. I I would propose that there's a greater emphasis in these commands. The greater emphasis, arguably, is on our resolve, our determination, our steadfastness, our tenacity, our resolution, our doggedness. Do you know in the Greek language, verse 16 is actually written this way. It's written always... Rejoice. It's not written, rejoice always. It's written, always rejoice. Do you know how verse 17 is written in the Greek language? Without ceasing, pray. Always, and then 18 is just fine. It's it's in the order that it was written. So it goes this way. Always rejoice. Without ceasing, pray. In everything, at all times, give thanks. Thanks. So, the greater emphasis arguably is in our resolve as men and women of God to not give up, to keep going. If the enemy can get us to quit, what becomes of us? What becomes of those people in our lives? What becomes of our children, our, our, our spouses, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, if he can get us to quit? Yes, we're to be prayerful, we're to be thankful, we're to be joyful, but gosh, don't quit. The enemy wants to get us to quit. Last week we talked about the faint-hearted in the church. Always rejoice. Without ceasing, pray. And at all times, be thankful. Arguably, our resolve in the Lord will ultimately lead to lives that are joyful and are prayerful and are thankful if we're resolute, if we're determined. Remember I said to you, In the beginning, when I had people describe me, Pastor Doug said, I'm diligent. And my wife said, I'm devoted. And I was so glad that it worked out that way. Because I think that's the underlying message here. How determined are you in your faith? How diligent are you going to be? Man, never give up, church. Never give up. I'm going to share with you a small quote. (laughs) Go ahead and put that up. All right. We'll get through it. I just like these long quotes. This thing's awesome. William Wilberforce from the 1700s. He says, No one expects to attain to the height of learning, or the arts, or power, or wealth, or military glory without vigorous resolution, strenuous diligence, and steady perseverance. Yet we expect to be Christians without labor? Without study, without inquiry, he's saying be diligent, church. This is the more preposterous because Christianity is a revelation from God and not the invention of man, discovering us to new relations and their correspondent duties, containing also doctrines, motives, and precepts peculiar to itself. We cannot reasonably expect to become proficient in it by accidental intercourses of life. As one might learn insensibly the maxims of worldly policy or a scheme of mere morals, is that fantastic? We're going to have to be diligent. If we want anything great, the greatness of God to penetrate our lives, it's going to take a tenacity. I think that's the overlying emphasis is to not give up, is to persevere to always, without ceasing, and at all times to be those three things. Oh, I love it. Praise be to our God. In closing, I want to share with you some things about these three things, about being joyful, prayerful, and thankful, that I got from some of my commentaries. So so I'm just stealing their words, just so, right? Full disclosure, these are none of my thoughts. I just thought they were powerful, and I didn't want to reword them at all. So the first one, God wants his people to be joyful. Right? And sometimes we think there's no joy in this circumstance of life. There's no joy in this season of life. But this commentary said God wants his people to be joyful and he gives them every reason to be joyful. A Christian's joy does not spring from his circumstances, but from the blessings that are his because he or she is in Christ. We have that to be joyful for. But, in addition to that, Christian joy is not self-centered. It's not just about us. Scripture shows, all throughout Scripture, that we are to rejoice, and here is a few things. We're to rejoice, Scripture says, in the good fortune of others, when others demonstrate obedience in Christ, when we are in the presence of good Christian company, when the gospel is being spread. These are all things in Scripture that says we can rejoice over. has nothing to do with us. That's about being joyful. The second thing, to pray, to be prayerful, to pray without ceasing does not mean we must always be mumbling prayers. I don't want to come up to you and you're mumbling prayers. I want to know that you're listening to what I say. Right? So it doesn't mean to to pray without ceasing that we're to always be mumbling prayers. That just doesn't make sense. It's not practical. The word means... Constantly recurring, not continuously occurring. Constantly recurring, not continuous. How did I say that? I got to say that. I got to look at my nose. Constantly recurring, not continuously occurring. Here's, here's, the, here's another way to look at it. We're to keep the receiver off the hook and be in touch with God so that our praying is part of a long conversation that is never broken. God, I'll be right back. Right? And you go back. Like, just never hang up. Never hang up. I love that visual. Third, being thankful. Christians are to give thanks to God in every circumstance of life. Really. That seems a little rough, doesn't it? The fact that God, Scripture tells us, the fact that God works everything together for good for those who love him, which is found in Romans 8.28, That's the basis for this entreaty, that we can say, God, you can work this for my good, and for that, I'm going to thank you in advance. So, lastly, I want us to keep in mind that these commands, verses 16, 17, and 18, these instructions, these commands, these duties for the Christian man and woman are both personal and public. These commands are for us individually as men and women in our personal lives, but they're also commands for us As a church body, we gather corporately so that we can rejoice corporately, collectively, so that we can be thankful collectively, so that we can pray collectively, which is a nice plug for we're praying this Thursday at 7 o'clock. You should be here. Why? Because Scripture commands that you should be. I'm not trying to guilt you into it, but just show up and pray. Amen? Okay, now, none of you said you had a life motto. Now you have one. Find a way. Get a, get a three-by-five card and write down verses 16, 17 and 18. If you want to just say prayerful, rejo- you know write prayerful, uh, joyful, and thankful." Or write those three verses out. Put this in, and put that somewhere. Maybe you take a picture of it and then you, and you put it on your, on, on your screensaver, right? on your home screen, on your phone. Maybe you record those verses, you actually speak into your, your phone, microphone, recorder thing. And then you set that as your alarm. So when your alarm goes off, it says, be prayerful, be thankful, be joyful. And you're like, snooze, shut up. I'll do that later, right? Like, there's a number of ways for this to be your motto. Find a way to make it happen. None of you had one. I've given you one. I'm not even going to charge you. You now have a life motto. It's on me. It's on the house. Man, you know, there's not a lot of words in those three verses, But there's a lot of punch. There's just a lot of punch. I propose that these three verses, if they haven't already, they'll change your lives. They'll change your life. We are commanded, challenged, encouraged to be joyful, to be prayerful, and to be thankful. Lord, help us. Amen? Good stuff, church. I love it. I'm going to invite up the worship team, and I'm going to pray us out. Um, I'm going to pray. They're going to work their way up. And our prayer team's available after service. If you need prayer after the service, please come see our prayer team up front. You guys, thanks for being here. Thanks for letting me be myself, for having fun. I love God's word. I'm challenged by it all the time, as I'm sure you are as well. I'm just so proud of you guys. I'm so proud of this church that we're not ashamed to, to go there in scripture. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for these incredible incredible words, for these incredible exhortations, instructions, commands, and duties that we have. Lord, if we're shunning our duties, please forgive us. We're weak, but we know, Lord, that through you we can do all things. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to become prayerful, joyful, and thankful. Help us, Lord, please, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.